I'm Katie. And I'm Steve, and this is the City of Reading Podcast. In today's episode, we talk with Assistant City Manager Steve Bade all about housing in the City of Reading. We'll cover what our current vacancy rate is and what that means in terms of housing availability. We also talk about income-eligible housing, housing for the unsheltered in our community, and short-term rentals effect on our housing stock. So are we in a housing crisis in Reading? Steve Bade doesn't think so, but there is no single solution to address all the different housing needs in the community. Between the economy and the cost of construction, things are not getting any easier. But he has reason to be hopeful, and we think you will too. Reading is working on housing solutions from multiple angles, and while results won't appear overnight, things are moving in a positive direction. I am Steve Bain. I am the Assistant City Manager with City of Reading. Thanks, Steve. Good to have you on the podcast today. We are here to talk about affordable housing, which is also called income-qualified or income-based housing. And we're here just to kind of discuss what does that look like in the City of Reading what is it? Is there a housing crisis? And and how is the city of Reading addressing some of the needs of housing in our community? So first, is there a housing crisis in Reading? Well, I, you know, I guess it depends on how you define crisis. Do we have a housing? Yes, because our, you know, if you look at the rental market, you know, we're, we're sitting at a probably a vacancy factor of less than 2%. So that means that, you know, more than 98% of our units are rented out. And that makes it a tight market and it makes it difficult for, for people that are trying to relocate or relocate here or those that live here want to work and live here. It makes it difficult for them to find a unit. Now, whether or not that's considered a crisis or not, I would have to think about that. But, you know, our city council did declare a shelter crisis, which means that we don't have enough beds for the population that is in our community. And we're creating those beds. We're creating additional beds so that we can have units available for our unsheltered and also for our sheltered. And so we are trying to address both sides of that equation. And are we behind in our projections for developing units as a community? I would say yes. And maybe, you know, it's a couple thousand units that we're behind. But it's not just a affordable or income-based unit issue. It's also a market rate issue. So due to the cost of construction and whether that's single family or multifamily, those costs have not come down. And it's really hard for market rate housing to actually cash flow. And then if you have an affordable project or an income-based project, then we, we do have the most units we've ever had under construction out there in the community right now. I would say that we're probably in the range of whether it's a planned development or it's the entitlements have been approved or it's under construction and now it's just completing, you know, we're probably right around the 800 unit range, which is probably the most I've seen in my career here. And I've been here for 25 years. And so on our, you know, on an income-based type of developments for multifamily, we're doing very well, but market-based, I'm not aware of any multifamily market-based projects out there right now. So when I look at the market, yeah, we have a very tight market and on the rental side and also on the home buyer side, I think there's probably around 500 houses on the MLS right now for sale. And so that limits the availability in our community. And so, yeah, I mean, whether that's a crisis or not, I'm, I'd have to think on that one for a bit, but do we have a tight housing market? Yes. And are we striving to change that? Yes. And Steve, I'm curious on the vacancy rate that you mentioned them currently at, sitting at less than 2%. Can you talk us through that a little bit? What exactly does that mean? And also how does that, um, how does that figure compare to maybe historical vacancy rates here in the city? 
Well, you know, right now, and for the last couple of years, we have actually been under 1%. And what that means is that there's less than 1% of the, of the rental units in our community are available. That means all the others are leased up. And so we've seen over the last few months, a little bit of improvement in that where we're probably somewhere between one and 2% right now in our vacancy factor in the community. So that just means it opened up a, you know, a few more units. It's not like a huge amount, but it's a little bit of relief out there. So if you look around the community, it's hard to find a rental unit that's not occupied. And so that's when we're talking about vacancy factor. So you're saying basically that 98 to 99% of the units in our community are occupied. And so that's a rental unit specifically, correct? Yeah, that's really specific to rentals. And you know, back when I was more involved with cash flows and, and financing multifamily projects here, we would, generally speaking, you're going to have a five to seven percent vacancy factor in your in your projections, and and we've not had that for some years now. And so, I mean, you know, Reading is a nice community. We're a thriving community, and so people are relocating here. You know, and people are staying here. So it's it's kind of a product of our success a little bit. But then also the economy hasn't helped it out because it's it costs a lot to build right now. And and so that's why those market rate units aren't really being constructed at this time because they just don't pencil that well. And and so, so we we've been able to land a number of grants and tax credits to help out on the income based projects. And that's why we have so many of those going right now. And we have some active developers out there that have really partnered with us to make those happen. And so considering all circumstances, I feel like we're doing pretty well, but we have more to do. And for cities that are considered maybe doing better than others, what is what is considered a healthy vacancy rate? Well, I, I would say you you know healthy vacancy rate is probably more like that five to ten percent. Oh wow! Okay, so we're like way way below than what you would consider would be a healthy rate. And I guess my question is: Is the economy factoring into that right now everywhere? So it's not just solely a Reading issue, or Along with, you know, Reading maybe becoming more of a popular destination to move and the difficulty of building housing, what are some other factors that can cause that vacancy rate to be so low in our area? I think the biggest is that we're in California. And even though you hear a lot of people saying they're leaving California, a lot of people are moving here and staying here. So with that, in California, whether it's your building codes or it's your associated fees or it's just trying to, to get the financing to meet the cost of developing within California. That makes most of California in the same boat. I think that a lot of California has a low vacancy factor like we do. And, you know, there's only so much land to develop and the land that is available to develop is not cheap. And so you have to be patient with the process. And it takes a while to build right now because of the economy. The, the materials are not readily available. Subs are not as available. So it, it, it's a longer timeline. Look at how long it's taken the courthouse to be built or even some of our downtown projects. So construction industry is not really helping out in, in this equation either because it's just tight out there and it's expensive. And I think it's a California issue. I think it's a, a successful city issue where those communities that are thriving, people want to live there. And it's it's hard to have enough housing for those that are that are moving there or relocating there or, or living there. And so what happens is they end up pushing out. And so you'll see some of our community members are they'll move to Anderson, they'll move to Shasta Lake City. 
they'll move on to the rural area in, in the county. And so it starts to push them out a little bit because the prices in Reading are noticeably more than they are in Shasak City or Anderson. But a lot of the jobs are here in Reading. So yeah, it's one of those things that it's just kind of a product of the economy, I would say right now, but it's also a product of being in California. And Steve, one of the topics that comes up with with some regularity is related to, to Bethel Church and they're obviously building a large new campus out in Northeast Reading. And I guess the question is, you know, with their, they have many hundreds of students who come for their programs who then look to find housing in the community. Some folks feel that that maybe that has led to an impacted housing market. I guess, A, is that true in your opinion? And also, how was it that the, that the current Bethel campus has been allowed to move forward in its planning phase without being required to provide additional housing for its students? Yeah, you know, in regards to the Bethel students, I mean, Gosh, in 2008, 2009, when the economy and and the housing market took a crash, I think our community benefited from having those students coming in because our housing market would have taken even a bigger hit at that time. And so at that time we had, we had the vacancies and so it wasn't an issue. Now we get a little tighter market and yeah, there are a few thousand students and they are taking up some of those rental units for certain. And yeah, it does affect our housing market. It pushes it to make it a little tighter and puts pressure on the community to develop more units because, well, we have a successful business through this church. They've created a school and now we do need more rentals to accommodate those students. It's like if we had, you know, a new campus come in for a college, we, we'd have to be able to get some units out near that campus. And if you go to the bigger universities, you're going to get some of the housing that is included with those but, you know, if you look at our JC, you know, system schools like Shasta College, they don't have a lot of dorms out there by any means. And so those students are pretty much coming from our community, too. And I'm not aware of any Shasta College development that triggered housing. And so then if you look at a Bethel school, then, you know, yeah, I think now as we look at that and they expand their their school, I think they're definitely thinking, that, hey, maybe there is there is there a way for us to create some sort of student housing. But I don't believe that that was part of the planning process. And I would have to defer on that because I'm not sure of all the conditions of development with their new church facility. But yeah, I mean, that school success does put pressure on the housing market, but it also has brought some good health to our housing market and helped us get through some tough times. And now our economy is trying to recover, but our housing market's tight and it's nothing like 08 and 09. And so, I mean, I think this is just a little bump in the road for the housing market is going to go back up and within the next year or so. Okay, that's fair. Is that something that that cities generally do, other cities and then maybe particularly in Reading that that are experiencing some of these housing shortages that they might tie planning efforts back to some additional housing efforts? So to get your building, you need to also provide some housing. Does that mm-hmm. does that ever come up in planning stages? Well I haven't seen that, you know, because especially if you're looking at a commercial development. I mean, I, I've never seen it where any commercial development has triggered additional housing units because of that commercial development. I've, I've not seen that, but I'd have to defer back to the planning staff. I mean, they're the professionals in the in that realm. And Steve, what's, what's the city currently doing, or I guess what's the plan moving forward to engage the community in these housing discussions to enlist their help and thoughts and advice where, where possible? Most of the time, we're doing our outreach through the housing element, which is part of the general plan. And as we update that housing element, we do community outreach and we update that annually. And so we have limited resources as a community and you're always trying to pull in all the grants you can. 
we have to use them to address the the most in need. And right now, I would say the most of our funding is going to help out the unsheltered and getting them into emergency housing and transitional housing so that we are improving the health of our community by getting these people back into the main stream of life. And so that's where our biggest focus is. And then whenever we can, we're trying to make partnerships to create tax credits. You know, we do outreach on all those projects. It depends on the project. It depends on the funding source. It depends on, you know, what we're doing. But it happens a few times a year where we're doing that public outreach. And and right now, I mean, studios and one bedrooms are probably the the hottest ticket, right? You know, and, and a couple of years ago, we lacked, you know, large family housing and two bedroom units. Now it's gone down to where we need studios and one. So it's the market and it just kind of fluctuates a little bit here and there. And But we do our community outreach a couple of times a year to to basically find out what the needs are. And then we try to plug funding sources toward those needs so we can benefit the community. And since we're talking about housing and and a vacancy rate here in Reading that is, you know, lower than a healthy average, in your opinion, how do short-term rentals come into that conversation? How how do the short-term rentals here in Reading affect our housing stock? Do you think they are affecting us more because our housing stock is lower and our vacancy rate is lower? Or do you think that short-term rentals affect the housing market no matter where they are? Well, I think short-term rentals affect the housing market in any community because you're basically taking a single family house that could be either sold to a home buyer or rented to a family or household. And you're taking that and turning it into a hotel, basically. And so, yeah, that takes some of your single family units out of the market that would otherwise be for rentals. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, we do have a free enterprise out there and people are able to create businesses in a variety of ways. This just happens to be a business that people are utilizing out there. And, and a lot of people now that are traveling prefer a VRBO or Airbnb over a hotel. I think that the short-term rentals are new to Reading and there's a couple hundred of them, but I think the market's going to determine exactly how many, you know, I guess what is a good pool of those STRs in your community and to have still a healthy economy? Because at some point you're going to have too many. And they're just and and most people aren't going to let them just sit there and be vacant. They they're doing it to cash flow their property, which is like any other small business. You're trying to make a good business decision, and so I think do they affect the our housing market? Yes, and especially on that single family side for home buyers and renters. But we are a free enterprise, and uh, and we try to promote that, and and we want them to have a strong economy that's you know got a lot of you know varied economy. But I do understand some of the concerns out there too, where where they're concerned about density or number of those STRs in neighborhoods. And I think, yeah, let's try and control those numbers so that a whole street's not becoming short-term rentals. I do think that we need to pay attention to the numbers and make sure that we're enforcing the rules with them and and see where see where they go. I mean, I think we're going to see changes over time because the economy is going to drive those changes. But that's just my opinion. Well, and to your point too, Steve, I mean, I think that the challenge is to find that sweet spot. You know, what is that What is that correct number of short-term rentals to still foster and encourage tourism and things of that nature combined with some of those maybe longer-term rentals that that provide some more stability in the neighborhood? Yeah. And then you also think that, well, you know, if we also have a hotel industry that we would like to support 
And even though, I mean, you know, short-term rentals, they do pay their TOT and all that stuff, but you only have so many visitors and you have a certain number of hotel rooms out there and you certainly want those to thrive. I mean, they're investing in your community too, and they're building their, they're bringing in their business model. And so you definitely want them to thrive too. So you got to like create this balance. Like we want our hotel industry to be strong. We want our VRBOs and Airbnbs are strong because we want people to visit us and have options and we want to have nice options. And so I don't know what that balance is yet. I think we're too early to tell. And then, I mean, if you happen to have a conversation with somebody who's looking for housing, whether to buy a house or or rent an apartment, you know, knowing that our housing stock is is low and in great demand, what do you tell those people? You know, I'm actually working on this right now with, we have a, a person that we're hiring this from out of the area and is looking for a rental to live in. And so I've given him some direction and told him, hey, let me know if, if you, you know, need any assistance. And this person wants to live also on, wants to be close to transit. And so, and it's a market rate person. So it's really, you know, that can pitch in a whole person a little bit, but we're working on it. And I'm, you know, I'm waiting for that person to get back to me, but he, he did state that there's not a lot available in your community and I might need your help. And so I am just trying to help, you know, coach him along. I did notice, you know, recently that up on Hilltop that I, I did see a couple for lease signs. So, you know, I guess I'm upfront and honest with them saying, hey, we do have a tight market. So you're going to have to really be on your game when you're looking for these units and be very proactive in getting it. So Steve, the other the other piece of this too is is on the the unsheltered population. You touched on it a little bit earlier on. What are some of the things that the city's proactively doing to to address that situation? I know there's some pallet shelter going on and some other things of that nature. Can you talk us through a little bit about some of those things? Yeah, you know, right now we we like I mentioned earlier, the city council has declared that we do have a shelter crisis, and with that, we have some obligations to identify or create more beds for those in the community. And so we've been working hard on getting emergency housing sites set up that contain shelters, emergency shelter cabins, basically we call them our pallet shelters. And we have three partnerships we're working on right now. The first one that was approved is, is at St. James above Shasta View. The second one is on Mark Street with United Way. And the third one is the Good News Rescue Mission has one over by their facility off of South Market. And so we are now opening the United Way facility on Mark Street, and that will contain eight emergency shelters. And the those shelters will be available to those that are unsheltered, and they will come with services. And so along with those services, I mean, these individuals are agreeing that they're going to abide by some rules, and they're going to work hard to take care of themselves, look for a job, get some assistance where they need assistance. And so... These, these units are only, they're temporary. So, you know, the max length of time someone could stay there is 10 months. But just because the max is 10 months doesn't mean that that unit will be occupied for 10 months. Some people will go in there and be there for two weeks, four weeks, and then they'll move on to a transitional housing unit because they're improving with the services they're receiving. So we're anticipating that these units, and we have some successes already with our other partnership that I'll mention in a minute, but... We're anticipating that these units are going to turn people's lives around and that they're not going to return back to the streets. Similar to what we have, we have a public-private partnership with no boundaries. And the city of Reading has basically agreed to pay for 46 motel rooms and no boundaries. It has a program that that our CERT team, our crisis interventions response team with 
with RPD and and then our Shasta Health and Human Service folks that they actually go into the encampments and they find individuals that would like to stop living unsheltered and move into a program and start turning lives around. So, you know, we had a number of no boundaries folks come and express their appreciation to city, to city council and city staff for paying for those hotel rooms because it turned their life around. It was pretty, pretty cool stuff. And so we were finding that these hotel rooms that are managed with a program it is very beneficial. And so we're now between the, the emergency housing sites with the pallet shelters and these hotel rooms, we're starting to find really good avenues of partners to you know get the unsheltered into these emergency housing situations or opportunities and then get them into transitional. So it's a bit of a process and it's a multi-layered coordinated effort with a lot of different organizations. And that's why it took some time to get where we are today. And so we just keep working hard at it. And it's great to see some of these successes coming along. And Steve, I'm just wondering, why can't the city buy one of the hotel units that are like, we, I feel like we have so many hotel units in the city that are just in disrepair or not used. Why couldn't the city purchase one of those and use that as the hotel rooms? Well, and, and we're doing that. It, you know, what it, it, it's a great question, question, Katie, because it, we really need a willing partner. And we've tried with a few hotel owners. And we and we and we did not succeed with them yet. We keep trying, but we do have a couple that are very interested. And you know, there's some where we would like to just get into a master lease and lease 10, 20 doors. That would be fine. You know, and then we would have the programmatic side to those units also dialed in. But you know, we also are looking for we have partners that would like to buy a hotel and use it for you know that emergency shelter. And we are working on that. It's just difficult when you don't have a willing partner or the funding source is not quite there yet. And so we're trying to bring those two together and we're getting pretty close. I think we're going to have an application this spring that will purchase a hotel and be financed with some state financing. So we're, we're close. We're working on the exact idea. Steve, I'm wondering from, from your perspective, I mean, we have, you know, there is a, lar- a large unsheltered community here in, in Reading, and we've talked about the housing shortage in general. From your experience and, and I guess from your forecasting, do you have reason for optimism for, you know, solving or at least improving the current situation around the housing market? Yeah, I, I do. I believe that there are, you know, there is a good percentage of people out there that do want to move on. They don't want to live unsheltered. But I think I think Laurel Parks says it best when she says, you know, it's kind of the one third, one third, one third rule where the first third, we're probably going to get some really good successes. Then the second third, we're going to struggle and we're going to get some of them. We're not going to get some of these, it's a 50-50 split. Then the last third is just not going to want to do it. And so, I I mean, I think you're going to, I hope that we are able to get 40, 50% of these people to, to really utilize one of these programs, these opportunities and, and change our life back around. But I think we're going to have a good success rate and make a big difference out there over the next, I think over the next year, we're going to have a lot more than we had last year. Good. Well, that, that is a reason to hope. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we touch on before we wrap up? Yeah, I would just, you know, have people continue to watch. We have so many multifamily developments going on, whether it's on Lake Boulevard, 
There's there are over off Churn Creek behind Lowe's, you know, with the ones downtown. We have more that are coming up on whether it's the west side of town or even, you know, here by City Hall. So we're trying to every avenue that we can, that we can put a funding source toward to make more units happen in this community. We're even working close to, you know, we're very close to getting one of our own parcels that the city owns and creating it into a single family for sale home buyer opportunity. And we'll probably have seven or eight units on this 1.1 acre. And that's going to be a big difference for our home buyers. We have 30 home buyers on our application list and we've only been able to help out like one or two of them in the last couple of years. And so that's really, we, we really want to push those numbers up and we're getting close to some really good developments coming out. They're going to change that around. So, you know, we're, we're pushing hard on every dollar we can get and any ideas that we can put at the table and to get more housing created. As a reminder, we are really looking for community feedback for this podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for episodes, please email us at podcast at cityofreading.org. We'd love to hear from you and incorporate those questions into future episodes.